Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the only show worth still listening now that you don't commute anymore. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. And this is normally the part where we, like, talk about our weeks or whatever, and we do, like, some kind of intro. One of us normally has, like, an amusing story or something to do. Um, but y'all know what's going on. Like, <laughs> yeah. we it's, don't, I can tell you about- All the stories are, how are you coping now? Like, that is the story of, like, so what mundane thing are you doing on an hour-to-hour basis? (laughs) Yeah, what what project have you taken up to beat the madness? How's your (laughs) sourdough starter doing? It's kind of, like, a really weird thing, like, to, to be within of, like, most, like, major tragedies, you can be like, where were you when blank terrible thing happened? It could be like, oh, well, I was at work and then I I, I, I called my family and we cried. And ours is like, where Just... were you during the coronavirus? It's like, I got really into Golden Girls. That's <laughs> yeah. what I did. That was my response to the tragedy is I started getting real into the adventures of Blanche, Rose, and Dorothy. My... My grandchildren are going to ask me about time during, about the corona time and how we coped. And I'm going to be like, I got really high and I watched a documentary about a man who sells tigers. Like, (laughs) most of us did that. A lot of people watch Space Jam for some reason. Uh, There was, you know what's going to happen, right? It's like, at some point, your kids are going to have to ask. Like, what the period was like. And you just gotta put them on the shoulder and just be like, Listen, we we masturbated, Timmy. <laughs> so much. We, we masturbated so much for so long. We didn't even like it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't... We, in, we blazed trails of masturbation. <laughs> we learned new things that could be done with genitalia and a hand. And sometimes not a hand. We found out that you can masturbate to things that aren't even vaguely sexual. One day, I just masturbated to the color orange to see if I could. I can. I I also did that, but it was because of some Molly that I found in the back of my cabinet. <laughs> like that is, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like the stories are going to be like, like Grandpapa, what did you do during the Great Pandemic? Oh, you know, I tried to watch the TV show Grimm, but found out that it's not good even as ironic watching. It's just shitty supernatural. That was my struggle. Like, it's... Not to, like, downplay the horror of this, but it's... Definitely for you and I, because you and I haven't lost anyone, like, close to us very yet. I, I actually did, Oh, God, did, we have like, to delete all of this. <laughs> no, no, we, we can keep it. Like, I, I actually did go through a panic bit... Uh, I'll talk about this. My grandmother uh, fell. You know, she's an old, like, 86-year-old woman, and she fell and didn't use her, like, life alert bracelet because she didn't want to take up a spot in the hospital that could be used with a coronavirus patient. And I got mad at her for it. I got so angry at her for it. But then I started to think, like, you know, it's probably not that great to send her to a hospital anyway. Like... 
her going to a hospital could be the worst thing for her right now. So uh, I had to kind of good point made by your grandmother. Yeah, so I had to I had to scramble for I mean she's recovering now. Uh but that was the worst thing, right? Like I kept trying to figure out how can I get to her and I can't. And she's she's a train ride away. Like she just lives like 2 hours by train away and my sister and I figured out like we we had to arrange grocery stuff for her um and but i mean so i i don't know i i guess i guess what i'm saying here is like we don't want to downplay the tragedy of it and i i I feel really silly because what i just said is not nearly as bad as what many people have gone through um but also for a lot of us right now the situation is like boredom comical boredom just overwhelming comical boredom and you know what you're listening to a fucking podcast right now so you're not better you know what i'm going to say uh is uh congratulations on being on the other side of this and doing your several hours of podcast catch up yeah wait, thank you for hoping, catching up yeah for catching up with hoping us. things are good out there hope you we're glad to join you on the other side through time um you got to get through all of us in your episodes of Chapo. I don't know what other what other podcasts you listen to, but congratulations, you did it. Enjoy this while you leave your house for the first time in months. <laughs> yeah, that's where we are. No one's going to listen to this for a while, and then everyone's going to listen to it. You know, or or. It's going to be like a video game where, like, you just go through and collect all the, like, audio diaries of everything that happened before the event (laughs) to piece it together. So, fucking, (laughs) some some wasteland scrounger is going to pick up a cassette deck because somebody will have taken this podcast and recorded it onto a cassette deck for some reason. And they're going to play, play and they'll be like, so... The world ended because Aunt B fucked? <laughs> a lone wanderer in power armor stalks through the remains of Philadelphia, and he's picking up audio recordings uh, while carrying his Goss rifle. And one of them is just like, the hospitals are overwhelmed. I don't know what we're going to do. And another one is just like, man, fuck Floyd. Fuck him. Piece of shit. <laughs> That that Philly fanatic looking motherfucker hate his guts. <laughs> it appears that a man named Floyd caused the downfall of humanity. <laughs> They're piecing together the archaeology and like, all right, so all of this makes sense. So the pandemic started here, and then cruise lines, and then government failure. And what I can't figure out is how Ron Howard factors into this, because from what the audio recordings say, this was very important. I will, I, I, there's, the one thing that's really confusing me here, I don't know where it fits in, but a man with a soothing voice named Roman Mars told me (laughs) all about fortune cookies and where they come from. I don't know that it fits into the pandemic timeline, but it was nice information that was well presented and heavily researched. The sound... the sound effects were, 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 were effectively timed to, to draw me in without taking me out of the moment. <laughs> I oh. feel like this bit has, has run its course. <laughs> I literally, like, you do a reload while you're trying to hold off the Wasteland Mutants and you accidentally hold the button down too long. And then an episode of How It's Made plays. 
as the night mutants close in, I only have one question. How did this get made? <laughs> How did Space Jam get made? Real heavy Space Jam episode, apparently, people. Yeah. Uh, all right, this, this, this bit has done exactly what it needed to do, which was get us through the intro bit and into the part where we talk about the episode of television that we're going to talk about. Uh, I think we're going to rock on with two episodes today, because one of them is fucking trash. It is not really much of anything. I, I liked it a little bit more upon rewatch, but... Um, oh, you rewatched it? Yeah, I rewatched both of these, and... Oh, good for you, man. <laughs> yeah, woo, good to go. You did the bare minimum for our podcast. You did literally the only thing you have to do for our show to exist. Good man, job. I watched three Bear Bears instead. Uh, shit. Man, I watched We Bear Bears instead. That shit rules. I also watched three Bear Bears. Um, Is it... It's We Bear Bears, Marty, you ass. <laughs> Not the one I watched. Oh. Um... Alright, so let's get into this. So It was a gay porn joke. Yeah. No, we're all going there. Alright. Cool. So uh we're gonna talk about season three, episode ten, Opie's Rival, which originally airs December third, nineteen sixty two, written by a guy named Sid Morse, who we've never seen before and will probably never see again. Because he gets killed off in the opening scenes of a 1960s noir. Like, <laughs> like, Sid, you been snitching? I ain't been saying shit! And directed by, don't blame me, I voted for Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Proud owner of a boar skin wallet, Bob Sweeney. Uh, Bob <laughs> Shit. How many times you said this man's name? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Oh, we can't even edit it out because you've lampshaded it now. Fuck. <laughs> Bob Sweeney. <laughs> All right. Bob Sweeney's evil twin from Dimension 2, Bob Sweeney. Here's your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. And I, I I have to say before I get into this, I love this one sentence summary and you'll find out why. Opie feels threatened by Andy's relationship with Peggy. Period. Last appearance of Peggy. <laughs> Farewell, Peggy. We hardly knew thee. Is it just me, or that that description makes it really sound like Opie kills Peggy? Yeah, just straight up. Like, Opie serial kills the shit out of poor Peggy. Well, not poor Peggy. Peggy sucks. But yeah, like, they're, the, the synopsis doesn't even pretend like this is a good episode. <laughs> I'll read it again. Opie feels threatened by Andy's relationship with Peggy, period. Last appearance of Peggy. Like, <laughs> Oh, God. So I, I, before, before we get into this, I tried. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, Marty. Hold on. Sorry, I'm getting something. Marty, um, sorry, this is coming in a little fuzzy. Marty, it sounds like three women have escaped from the Mayberry County Jail. Big Mod Taylor... Uh, aliases include Sophie, Sophie Connor, Blanche Dubois, and Frank Tyler. Uh, Naomi Connors, who is blonde and slender, end of descriptions. And a woman who's never named have all escaped from federal prison. They are considered at large, and ladies and gentlemen, we do have a woman hunt on our hands. We have a woman hunt. We're woman hunt! <laughs> Listen... 
like a pickup artist with poorly defined understanding of gender dynamics. We're hunting women tonight. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. Fine. So, okay. Fuck it. All right. No, you you win, Dan. You win. All right. We're doing women season hunt. three. Season three, episode eleven. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a woman hunt. We're, we're it's a woman hunt. You you made your point, Dan. Season three, episode eleven. <laughs> Originally airs December tenth, nineteen sixty two. Title: Convicts at Large. Written by Everett Greenbaum and Jim Fritzel, <laughs> and directed by man who forced his way into the podcast, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> he has seven mounted deer heads in a two bedroom apartment. Bob Sweeney. And here it is. Here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia of the episode that I guess we're talking about now. Sorry, is the summary anything other than woman hunt, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point? Boy, you're going to feel like an asshole in a second. Oh. Barney and Floyd are taken hostage by three escaped female convicts in a con- in a country cabin. Last appearance of Floyd until episode 118 due to Howard McNear's stroke. Holy shit, fuck. Yeah. So so in this episode, which I guess is the episode we're talking about, good good work. Uh Barney and Flo- this is the last time we're going to see Floyd for a while. Um it's the last time we're going to see Floyd for a bit cuz the actor Howard McNear has a stroke after this and it takes him about a year to recover. So we're not going to see Floyd again uh until like midway through season 4. So which here's makes me the feel internal... bad for all the shit that we said about Floyd last time. Okay, you know what I'm going to say to that is this was like what a lifetime ago? like like a lifetime and a half ago that this happened. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. going to feel bad. On time. He is long since dead. This stroke also, was before yeah. our parents were born. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm not going to feel bad for shit talking the character of an actor that had a stroke a month later, 50 years ago. You're good point. Good oh, point. Yeah, we will continue to shit talk the character. We'll go a little easy on the acting and how he looks. So that's what happens. Um, this episode uh, opens up with a goddamn siren. Just like... Just, just hardcore opening. Just the, a shot of a jail wall blasting siren. Uh, and three dirty women crawling out of the brush. Yeah, and so they are pulling yeah. a, a big-ass jailbreak. You have three women. They are emerging from the woods. The leader, Big Maud Taylor, kind of looks like Ma Fratelli from The Goonies. Yeah, and, actually, holy shit, that's eerie. Yeah, yeah, and so picture that. Um, so she's the leader. Her name is Big Maud. Other one, the other ones are a... Uh, a blonde, slender woman named Naomi, who I think might be one of the fun girls. It's one of the episode. fun girls. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the girl who had this voice. The girl with the, the froggy throat. And they're basically pulling like a Sanderson sisters hocus pocus kind of deal. Uh, yeah. She's, she's definitely the uh, Sarah Jessica Parker of this. Uh, and then a third lady named Sally, who might be delusional, oh, I guess. Very clearly unwell. Um is like over the course of this gradually disassociates and stops having any sort of tether to modern reality. But Sally does not get a name until like late in the episode. They describe them and they do like 15 aliases for Maud and then they do like two for Naomi. And then there's like also there's another one. Don't really it's fine. 
they're 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 slender and one of them is big. Don't worry about the third one. She's pretty inconsequential. <laughs> uh like I named her Sally, but that you don't find that out until like the third act. I wasn't being an asshole when I uh did one of Maud's aliases as being like Frank. They do that bit. That's that's a joke that happens in this. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh first I want to give a little bit of trivia from the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki. Um, which sounds, makes it sound pretty good as hell. Like, this episode is a satire of the 1953 best-selling book, 1954 Tony Award-winning play starring Paul Newman, and 1955 movie starring Humphrey Bogart, The Desperate Hours. The film was also remade again in 1990. The book, book, play, and first movie were about a nationally well-known real-life 1952 prison escape of three male convicts, and their invasion of a Pennsylvanian suburban home and kidnapping of the Hill family. The book, written by Joseph Hayes, was directly influenced by the Hill family's ordeal, in which they were treated very well by the convicts, but held for 19 hours. The cons were caught after leaving the home. The book was a bestseller, which is why a Broadway play was made titled the same. Boy, the writing style of the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki is really hard to read out loud. It's so disjointed. And also based on incidents similar to the Hill family, but in the play version, the family experienced fictional, sexual, and violent acts at the hands of the convicts. So not like the book at oh all. Oh my then. god! And also not at all like this episode. Wait, the play wait, sorry. won Tony Awards and did quite well, which is why a movie version was also done. Okay, the fifty-five let's... movie did not include. Let me fucking finish. Did not include the sex and violence like the play did. So all of this is what convicts at large satirized. But the cons are women, which was considered to be funnier. Oh, yeah. A lot of... Oh, like, I'd say about 60% of the jokes in this are... <laughs> they're women, but they're doing men's stuff. <laughs> oh, crazy. Um, so, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, like, I didn't have this opinion when I started reading that paragraph. But by the end of this paragraph, I had the opinion that this bit of trivia is bullshit. Okay, so I Ultra reliable a... Mayberry Wiki person, you don't understand what satire is, and honestly, the fact that this is just it's they're just two things that involve convicts at a house. That doesn't yeah. relate them. It's <sighs> they're not being treated pretty well. Barney and Floyd are in a family. I I don't know. Maybe if we saw the fucking thing. Just can we circle back real fast? So the book did not have depictions of like like sexual assault. Or, or anything like that. And then the play added it in, and then the movie took it back out. Am I hearing yes. that right? Yes, that is that is what the description was, yes. That's an insane, because it's always like, the book is super disgusting. Like, it's you do Stephen King's It, where uh, an adolescent girl gives a bunch of kids blowjobs, and then the movie takes it out. And this is like, the adaptation is like, no, let's make this disgusting. This needs to be less sanitized. That fucking that, that play director is probably a freak. He's probably a disgusting person. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that. Most likely, most likely. Uh, all right. So, also off of that, uh, the MPAA reading for this uh, is it's slightly higher than most other Andy Griffith show uh, episodes. And that's with a designation of violence and fear, which I find really fucking funny for anything under the Andy Griffith show. The next scene is Andy, like, standing in front of, I guess we're supposed to think it's a police radio, but it just looks like a regular-ass radio, and he's just listening to the news report. 
telling him to look out for these women. That's when they make the joke that Big Maud is also an alias of, like, Frank Griffin or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then he says, oh, well, dang. Barney would have to be out fishing right now, wouldn't he? And that's it. And then it's, like, they just give us that setup. And then we cut to Floyd and Barney on the road. Their car is broken down because it has run out of gas. And they are yelling at each other and they are sniping at each other uh, over who got them stranded. Uh, yeah. Barney, Barney's yelling at Floyd for not filling up the tank. Floyd's saying that Barney should, have, should not have taken the back roads and the shortcut. Uh, so they're stranded. Uh, they're both being passive aggressive at each other. I will say well, Floyd is being passive aggressive. Barney is being aggressive. Like Floyd is aggressive. like, well, I would have listened to me and not taken the back road. And Barney is just like, shut up. You shut up. I hate you. Shut up. Uh, it's a great, charming dynamic. <laughs> I have to say, I think it's a shame that Howard McNear had a stroke here because this is the first time that I've gotten the character of Floyd and I understood like the Floyd Barney dynamic in this is very good. Yeah. And, and I wish if there had been more episodes like this, since they figured it out, I would have loved it. This would be one of my favorite shows of all time. I mean, like, so it kind of crystallizes things of like, cause we've the entire time been watching the show being like, you're the worst. What are you doing? What is your deal? What is what are you even supposed to be? And most of the other characters have just been like <laughs> Floyd. And it's kind of weird for Barney of all people to just be like, "You're the worst. What are you doing? What is in your head? What are you even supposed to be?" <laughs> like Barney of all people is like is on our side. Yeah, Barney like, is on our side. <laughs> Barney is like, "What are you even going for? I don't understand you." And I'm like, "Thank you, Barney Fife, my mortal enemy." <laughs> it's so really they... it's a it's a Godzilla King Ghidorah situation where uh, Barney has been terrorizing us and now a greater evil has risen and, you know, Godzilla kind of switches sides. Ken Watanabe is watching this episode going, let them fight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so they decide to get gas. They're going to go look for, like, a farmhouse or something to borrow some gas. Barney changes into his uniform because he says that his civvies make him look too rough. They find a cabin. It's a cabin that they know that belongs to Charlie O'Malley. But they're like, wait, O'Malley isn't home. Uh, He's in... Detroit. He said he was going to go to Detroit for a while. Then there's a little bit where they talk about how rich O'Malley is. They say maybe he's renting. I'm assuming because they see lights on and people moving inside. Yeah, there's Uh, like smoke coming out of the chimney and stuff. Yeah, Uh, so so they talk about how he can't be renting. He doesn't need the money because his wife is rich. His wife, uh, his wife's father is like Dr. Scholl, yeah. uh, essentially. And then they have a little bit about how the real money in America is in fo- it's in feet. A lot of flat feet in America. So it's a pretty good bit. Uh, can we just... It's funny. Real quick, this episode's good. This is a good episode. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it, this is a solid episode. We should have, have started that from the beginning. It's, it's so good. Um, yeah. It might be my favorite that we've watched. It's up there. It's um, definitely up there. I think it beats... It, it beats alcohol and old lace. It, uh, it's just, it's bonkers from beginning to end. Yeah, um, it's absolutely apeshit. There's one weird thing in almost every scene, and the direction is really good. Yeah, yeah. Bob, Bob Sweeney has, like, is, Bob Sweeney and Don Knotts are gelling on this. Like, Bob Sweeney is has, like, complete control over the way that uh that Don Knotts looks, and Don Knotts is, like, 
owning every single scene that he's in. This is like top tier Don Knotts performance. This is one of the episodes that makes you go, oh, I get it. I, yeah. I understand. Uh, and uh, I, he's he's just, he's firing on all cylinders. Everyone's firing on all cylinders here. And it's also a good role for Andy because it doesn't focus on Andy at all. He's barely in this. He, he's there, he's just like he, the deus ex machina, basically. Yeah, but he, he still has a role. Like, he's in like four or five scenes. But part of it is just like them trying to get a message to Andy that they cannot. Uh, and that's also funny because we get to watch Andy fail at something for a chance. Yeah. For a change. So uh, something I really like about this setup is that they're just like, well, everyone knows that Charlie O'Malley left town for Detroit. You know, the rich guy who left town. And I just kind of like the idea of someone being like, goodbye, everybody. I'm going to leave my cabin unlocked and unoccupied. Have a great time. I trust all of you implicitly. You know, like you do when you leave town. Make sure as many people as possible know. Anyway, goodbye. Okay, you know there what? There are I have no some... nearby neighbors that can see you enter, but you all know that, my friends. Farewell! Okay, so we actually do meet Charlie O'Malley later in this episode, and I got some fucking thoughts about that guy. <laughs> this episode gets so buck wild as soon as Charlie O'Malley comes back. Uh, so, but meanwhile, right, the women hiding out, they look out the window, they're like, shit, there's two people coming. One of them's a cop. Um, there's a very, very funny bit where they're hiding and Barney's outside yelling, Charlie, Charlie, are you in there? We need some help. And one of the women, uh, the, the deep voiced one, Gene Simon, Naomi. says, don't worry, Naomi, uh, says, don't worry, Maude's a clever woman. She'll come up with something. And Maude just yells, there's no one here. It's great. Such a good bit. It's so good. The dynamic between the three prisoners is immediately apparent and fantastic. Like, they are such a good, like, like three stooges act. It's so good. These women are fantastic. These women yeah. are so funny. Uh, they decide to let Barney and Floyd in, but they're still wearing their prison uniforms, uh, which... Floyd notices, he's like, what kind of uniforms are those? And they start to claim that they're, like, Girl Scout troop leaders. Barney, of course, knows they're not, but Barney can't hold his cool, and he goes, they're cons! They're cons! And then they immediately take his gun! Immediately! (laughs) They just, like, smack it out of the holster before you can get to it, and just, and take his gun immediately, and yell at him, uh, like, they make fun of him for having a empty gun and floyd immediately fucks up and and spills everything okay immediately that's that's a question for the course of this episode of fucks up are we sure are we sure he does this on accident because one could argue that he's immediately trying to sell out barney to save his own ass he's immediately like snitching he's like he has one bullet in his gun uh if you put it in uh you can only kill one of us by the way he said you're ugly did you know that okay so mm, i like that theory yeah he's probably he's obviously like being a cowardly person and, and selling out barney for himself but on the other hand throughout the rest of this episode floyd only seems to have at most a 30 percent understanding of anything that is happening like he's, he, he does not seem to understand that he is in danger at all he Basically, over the course of this episode, I would submit that Floyd's primary arc is that he slowly comes to terms with the fact that he's not going to get laid from this. 
Um, <laughs> I think that, it, that it's, and it's a pretty quick decline where he's like, huh? No. Uh, and then he's just kind of content to eat a banana. Most of his arc is <laughs> it's eating that banana. Is just chomping down on a banana, having a pretty Dan, chill Dan, time. Dan, how long does it take you to eat a banana? <laughs> I mean, oh, hours. It's an entire process. <laughs> it's a whole. It's a whole deal, right? Yeah. You got first. You got to peel the damn thing, right? And then you got to like navigate it. There's mechanics. You have to take in like hand position. You don't want to go too fast, or you know, you could like put an eye out. It's a whole fucking thing. Yeah, uh, no, he's he's eating a banana for half of this fucking episode. It's okay. Uh, it's very funny somehow. Uh, so okay, I want to establish something, right? So they've taken Barney's gun. Now they have the bullet. Now we have. So we've established the stakes. We've established the setting. We've know the basic premise. And that's when I hit pause, and I was like, how much time has gone through? Six minutes. Six and a half minutes, and we have gotten to the fucking story. Congratulations, Andy Griffith Show. Holy shit! I know. Okay, so in any, in most Andy Griffith Show episodes that we've watched so far, we would currently be at, like, 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 we'd we'd be at the two-minute mark by now. And then at the and then immediately after this, Andy would come in and be like, "I've magicked this all away. I used my folksy knowledge about tree bark to make this all not happen. Oh, no, I, I knew I, the I, kinds I, of squirrels in the area, so you don't have to deal with this anymore, Andy Griffith." In most Andy Griffith episodes, we would open with Andy getting the radio report, and then he would go and tell Barney about the radio report, and then Barney would go, "Okay, cool." Uh, well, I'm going to go fishing with Floyd. Floyd and I are going to drive away now. I'll tell Floyd about the radio report while we're there. And then we would get a scene of, like, the convicts wandering through the forest talking. And they would all, like, very clearly express, we are the convicts. And they would ta- tell each other. And th- and then Opie would tell Andy about this cool new toy car he got. And <laughs> Andy would be like, oh, yeah? And Opie's like, yeah, I bet it's better than a regular car. And Andy would be like, oh, I think it might be. And then cut back to them fishing. Yeah, 100%. There would be like, there would be like a solid three-minute monologue of Floyd talking about how creamsicles are neat. Like, and at the very yeah. end, there would be the collision. <laughs> like, and, then, and then someone... Would get mauled by a cougar. Yeah, exactly. And then a coug- a, a, an animal attack would happen just to solve everything. <laughs> Andy would just basically, like, come in and be like, Hey, all the convicts, come walk forward two steps. And then they would, and the floor would collapse. And he'd be like, Oh, well, well, yeah, I know from uh, from talking to Conor O'Malley, he hasn't worked on those floors in years. And they were any minute from giving out. And, uh, yeah, I just Dr. Hood our way out of this, more or less. <laughs> And and then and then with that third one who tried to escape, he'd be like, "Oh, don't run through that tunnel! If you go through that tunnel, I will I won't be able to catch you." And then they'll run and they'll hit smack into the stone wall because it turns out it wasn't a tunnel at all. It was just a painting of a tunnel that Andy painted into the side of a cliff. <laughs> it is watching this show is kind of fascinating in a way of like it's like watching a child learn how to talk except you're watching a bunch of drunk 1950s assholes learn how to write like it's it's uh it's like somewhere during this episode 
uh, they were like all like like trying to break the story. One of them was just like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on!" And he stood up and he just wrote like, "Rising action, falling action." Oh my god, I think I've cracked it. <laughs> like Steve, what if there was, you know, an, a really important moment, sort of where it peaked, uh, a climax. It's the, we're men of the 1950s, so we've never heard of one of those. Uh, well done, well played. Yeah, but, uh, but yes. So, so it. this this episode gets to the fucking point within six and a half minutes, <laughs> and then now that we've set up the rules, we can spend the rest of the episode playing in this little world. Uh, it's actually a very good episode for like quarantine watching because everyone there quickly comes to the conclusion that oh fuck, we can't leave this house either. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's kind of great because you're you have all these characters in a room and. Barney and uh, and Floyd are sort of like pinballs that are bouncing between them, and every single woman has her own unique dynamics. Naomi wants to fight them. He, she doesn't want to beat them up. She wants to be in a fist fight with them. Uh, Sally uh, is uh, slowly <laughs> losing her grip on reality. I'm assuming because the meds they gave her in prison are wearing off. Uh, and Maud is angry and horny, and they just kind of get, like, pinballed between these, and it's really fun to watch these, like, them to get shot between each other, and, like, like Barney will ping off Naomi and hit into Sally and then go into Maud, and it's, like, it's it's just, like, this really fun little ecosystem that you get to watch. Let's talk about why Naomi wants to get into a fight, right? Let's talk about why Naomi and how we learned this. Uh, so they have a record player um, and they're playing music and playing records. Uh, and honestly, like seem to be having a fun time for being held hostage by convicts, but they play a certain song. They play a certain song and Naomi goes from having a fun time to getting very angry and smashing a vase on Floyd's head. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> like, she goes, it's, it's not an implied thing. <laughs> like, it's not like she picks up a vase and then suddenly there's like a vase on the ground and Floyd's like, oh my head. She smashes that fucking actor over the head with a vase that looks very real. Oh shit, you know what? It's never really implied, but from that moment on in the episode, like, Floyd does not seem present at all. <laughs> like, Floyd has a concussion for the rest of the episode, and that explains a whole lot. Marty, anyway. I thought you were going to say that that's what gave the actor his stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's where you were about to go be like, oh my god, maybe that impact is what did it. <laughs> no! <laughs> you fucking weirdo. <laughs> um, so, so, but so she smashes the thing over uh, Floyd's head, and everyone's like, "What the hell?" So she just went full on fucking Bradley Cooper in Silver Linings Playbook. Apparently, that song sets her off because it was her and her ex's old song, uh, and then she gets to be like, "I hate men," and they do a bit like, "Yeah, she's a convicted husband beater." <laughs> And once again, huge applause break. They're like, "Ah, what? Who's ever heard of a woman beating a man? I I had to sit there and like sit for a second because it's not like there's a laugh track that plays. So I had to sit there and be like, 
Is that a joke? I mean, that is a thing that that women do get conv- that that's a thing that happens. And that and that's her thing for the rest of the episode is she wants to fight. Oh, that's... she's violent and and she wants to punch some uh, punch some men. It's definitely treated as a bit of like she's a woman, but she punches and it's definitely it's treated as like it's a character quirk. Like it's not like her deal. It's like, what if, like, it's wacky. It's treated as a wacky thing for a man, a woman to want to punch. They do a bit where Floyd points out, like, if Barney doesn't come home, they're go- the sheriff is going to start looking for him. Well, wait, before, uh, we and... should talk about Sally. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Sally's whole deal is that she uh, is horny. So it starts and, and, out with horniness, as most and, things on this show do. She says that Barney is kind of cute. Uh, she reminds her of her ex-husband, Al. Uh, and then she remembers that Al ratted on her and she gets mad. But for the rest of the episode, everyone calls Barney Al. Yeah. Like, they keep referring to him as Al. And I don't think Sally remembers that Barney isn't Al. By no, the end of this, she immediately forgets. She does not get mad at Barney for looking like Al. Like, Maud reminds her. She's like, Sally... She's like, oh, you remind me of my husband, Al. I remember meeting him and falling in love. And Maud's like, hey, isn't Al the one that ratted on you and got you thrown into prison? And she's like, yeah, Al, you fucking rat. And Barney's like, I'm not Al. And you'd think that would be just like a one-off thing. But she does slowly forget that Barney isn't Al. Like, she gets mad at him as Al and then stays mad at him. Yeah. Yeah. So she's immediately disassociating she does not know what fucking year it is they make barney call andy and they make him say that he's spending the night up at o'malley's well they Uh, make him do that because floyd is like hey uh if barney doesn't check in his boss is going to start looking for him and wondering where he is and they're like oh thanks floyd that's really helpful Really appreciate that. Thank you for that, like, insight and, you know, much critical assistance. We could have been in some real trouble if you hadn't told us that with no (laughs) persuasion whatsoever. All right, you take care, man. You want a banana? I feel like this is, now's a good time to give you a banana. Uh, We're at, like, the 10-minute mark of the episode. Barney calls, uh, and they make him say that, uh, he's at O'Malley's, and that's why Andy's like, O'Malley? O'Malley was in Detroit! By the way, for some reason, they really hit that D pretty hard. Oh, they love like, hitting that D. Detroit. Oh, I thought O'Malley was up in Detroit. Detroit. Like, yeah, and they like they, they, like they're all fucking Tony the Tigering. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we. I've been to the South. I know you motherfuckers say Detroit the same. Like, get out of here. This isn't fucking Narnia. You don't have your own language. And there's it's an interesting bit where. Like, Andy, with no concern whatsoever, just like, all right, cool. You spam some fun up at O'Malley's. I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, by the way, uh, we're supposed to look out for a couple of convicts. Three ladies. And he's smiling while he says it. Like, he's just like, like, you expect him to say, like, don't that just beat all? But he doesn't. He <laughs> just you know grins that, when he says it. Did you know that ladies can be bar- can be convicts, Barney? I had no idea. It's crazy. Anyway, have fun at your, at your dude's sleepover, man. It sounds cool. You three grown men having a sleepover in the middle of the woods? That's, that's not weird. All have right, man. Have fun at your boys' night, my dude. It sounds great. 
That's cool. All right. Ironically, sounds pretty chill. Have a good one, man. Andy is so happy for everyone (laughs) in this episode. It's very funny. Andy Andy is genuinely just like, cool. Andy gives a shit like 15% of this episode. He, and even when he realizes what's going on, he still is having a great time and does not care. I know that we've said multiple times that it seems like Andy is on Zoloft or some shit this episode, but I think Andy is on some kind of mood stabilizers because he is almost upsettingly mellow. We've kind of bounced around some of the house scenes. The only thing you really need to know for the rest of this is that there's a lot of dancing. Uh, Everyone's trying to make Al dance with them. And so they do dance. And basically, as you pointed out, Barney gets pinballed around dancing while Floyd gets to just hang out and chill on the couch because no one wants him until they hit him with a face. Yeah. Uh, And then and Floyd also is a bit like, Barney, you're an amazing dancer. You're so good at this. So light on your feet. Again, forgetting uh, that he's in a hostage situation. But we're going to remember that he's in a hostage situation pretty fucking quickly because the very next scene, go to commercial, come back, and there is a gun to Barney's head. Yeah. And I don't mean like they're waving. Like every other time we've seen it, it's just like a gun is waving around or whatever. No, this gun is at his temple. It is making contact with his forehead. Yeah, most instances, like the gun is always at their hip. And they're just kind of like doing doing like little motions, like get over there, go over there, like follow the gun. I'm using it as like a little baton, and this it's like cocked, like a laser loaded. pointer. Yeah, like <laughs> Smith and Wesson laser pointer, <laughs> like right behind the eyeballs, like to the temple. Like we are ready to ventilate Barney if you don't get this exactly right, Floyd. So they 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 send Floyd out on an errand. Basically, uh, they make Floyd. Uh, do some shopping. They give him a shopping um, list and they say, you're going to recite it perfectly this time or Barney is going to die. And Barney's like, come on, Floyd, you can do it. And I'd say Floyd gives it um medium effort? Medium is probably right. Maybe lower than that. He does not try very hard. According to the Mayberry Wiki, they wrote this out, the shopping list is one pound of sugar, two pounds of coffee, Four dozen eggs, four loaves of bread, ketchup, fruit, and four pounds of hamburger. That is so much food. I guess it's not that much food for five people. But. Yeah, but like they're, I guess they're planning on holding up there for a while. What honestly? What is the convict's plan? What's really? the plan? I no, I think they they realize very quickly that they don't have a plan. Like they specifically say that they've got to like wait there until the heat dies down but it's very clear immediately that they don't have a plan for these two people that they just kidnapped yeah they're probably like if this hadn't gone differently they probably would have killed barney and floyd like they really did not have a better move so floyd uh and one of the convicts sally sally drive they drive into town they get the groceries uh and andy spots floyd putting the groceries in his car and Andy runs up, and Sally gives him a little warning, like, don't forget about Al. Basically saying, like, if you say something... If you say something, what? Honestly, what's she gonna... She can't call him. Yeah, exactly! Like, what is she just going like, to try to drive real do? fast? What's gonna happen there? I like, genuinely I, forgot it... that they don't have cell phones or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? There's like, no reason for Floyd not to just be like, get her! Get her, Andy! Yeah, she doesn't have a like, gun! <laughs> She's, yeah, the gun, 
The gun's at the house. There's no reason for him not to do anything. She is also the oldest and frailest of the three convicts. She is like, like, Maud is a big bowling woman. Uh, Naomi is like, is slender and athletic and pretty clearly a killing machine. And they're like, get out of here. Go take care of this woman in your late 50s, early 60s. You can handle it. She's like... Yeah, I have demonstrated no capacity for violence whatsoever, but let's go do it. There's no reason for Floyd not to start screaming the instant they get to the grocery store. Yeah. I mean, again, he does not care and is having a great time. Oh, yeah, no, he's he's having a ball. Yeah. He's having an amazing time. He's getting attention from women. He's doing great. But so Andy walks up and I love this scene so much. Andy walks up and Floyd immediately like tries not to give the game away. He's like, oh, oh yeah. Flo- hey, Andy, we're up at O'Malley's. I'm having fun with Al. Bye. Okay. And uh... OK, OK, OK. So we got to pick apart this scene very carefully, Marty, because Andy okay. says, OK, you, O'Malley and Barney are all hanging up in your cabin together. Oh, I see you got a girl with you. You devil, you. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys all hanging out, huh? Having some fun. And, and it's like, oh, I can't come. I understand, you know, uh, three's a crowd, huh? Well, you guys have a good time. I wish I could join you, but, uh, you know, I gotta work. So, what Andy is assuming is that there's a girl for Floyd and there's other women for, for Barney and Charlie. It has been established very aggressively. Charlie's married. Uh, Barney is a girlfriend, which they mention. Floyd explicitly says, like, Barney is taken. So, what Andy thinks okay, is okay, happening- Okay, wait, 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 wait. Andy could have thought that one of the girls was was Thelma Lou. And Andy could have thought that Barney was there with Thelma Lou. Or Juanita Beasley, you know. Uh, I- The vague sense I- got from it because he wasn't like oh yeah you guys have fun this sounds like a really nice like double date he's like oh you boys you get yeah. into trouble if it was like yeah, like, the, like like the grin on his face is very clearly the y'all fucking yeah it's, no, it's the y'all fucking face he specifically says like oh you devils he's not like oh, this sounds like a really nice time. You got a girl and Barney's up there with his girlfriend and Charlie's there with his wife. He's like, oh, you guys all went up to to Charlie's house to have an orgy. Oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm and, jealous. I wish I could come. And then, and then he's, uh, he does ask, like, wait, who's Al? And, and Floyd... Like says, oh Al, Al dances with Sally, and the I love this bit because it's like that part in a uh, in like a spy movie or like an adventure novel where someone's like, you know, you know, Dan, just like we did in Ipanema, and it it like triggers something like you were a double agent in Ipanema or whatever. So he's trying to like send a message to Bar- to Andy. He delivers it like that, like he's sending a message, like. Al dances with Sally. It does Using not words work. that mean, yeah, because those words mean absolutely nothing to Andy. <laughs> Andy mean, has no previous knowledge or frame of reference from which to draw. And Andy's just kind of like, oh, gross, Floyd. Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> just do it. Don't talk about it. Jesus. Don't enjoy your orgy, and then, man. <laughs> and, also, and then they drive off. And that's it. 
Ibby still has a girlfriend too, and he's like, oh, I wish I could join you for this orgy. He's like, Oh man, you guys got an infidelity party going? I wish I could come to the infidelity party. Guys. No, 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 no. Andy is newly single because we're never gonna hear from Peggy again. Because like even though they were together at the end of the last episode that you made us skip, like, she's gone. She's She's gone to the same hole that, uh... Listen, Marty, I can't help that a woman fuck. hunt happened midway through the episode, okay? Like, I don't have control of these things. Like, a woman hunt happens when a woman hunt happens. Uh, Dan, that's literally the only thing in your life you do have control <laughs> over. <laughs> but you're right. Uh, by the way, let's just go ahead and do it, because we have I don't think we've yelled it enough. Woman hunt! Woman hunt! We got to turn down the gain on that this time. In some in some past yeah. instances, it was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Andy's like, you guys go have fun at your orgy. I really cannot establish enough orgy. Um, and and so Floyd's gambit completely fails because it was poorly thought through. Um, and uh, as he's driving off. O'Malley gets off the bus and he's just like, Hey, Andy, plot of the episode! There's one bit I, I like here where the car drives off, Andy sees a bus, and then he checks his watch and just kind of smiles and nods. Just like, yep, the bus is on time. <laughs> like, I, it's, 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 it's irrelevant. <laughs> it's just a simple character <laughs> detail. But I loved it. I loved that he just saw the bus and decided just to check and then not approving. It has been established that, like, in this town, people just look at the bus. <laughs> like, there have been dudes just hanging out and they've just been like, oh, shit, you see that? It's the 315. Anyone getting off of it? No. That's cool, though. It's cool to see buses. It's cool, though, right? Like, you you knew what time it was going to show up, and then it became that time, and then the bus showed up. I mean, really, just a miracle of engineering. Steve, 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 get over here. Get the fuck over here. Check it out. The five o'clock from Raleigh's green this time. They must have changed buses. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, you know what? You know what? Uh, I got a cousin up uh, up in Greyhound, who works for Greyhound, and he told me that they bring in the uh, the model fifty three hundred uh, out uh, out of rotation. Turns out there's some problem with the brakes. Fuck you, Charlie. We all know that you're lying about your cousin that works for Greyhound. <laughs> no, I got a cousin that works for Greyhound. You know what I? You know what I heard? You know what I heard? Last week, the two p.m. came in at two twelve. Two twelve. The state of this world. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with that shit? Why do our guys have New York accents? (laughs) (laughs) I like to imagine. I like to imagine that there are bus watchers all around the country, and since there's no internet, that they're all just writing postcards and letters to other bus watchers (laughs) in other towns to let them know the updates. Like, dearest Horace, my my dearest Horace. I regretfully inform you that the Cleveland Sunday schedule has changed to only buses <laughs> on the every 40 minutes as opposed to every half hour. I find this to be a disgrace upon my fair city. I hope that things are treating you well in Tallahassee. Yours forever, Clarence. I mean, that is kind of like the state of things where it's just like you had to write people letters constantly or they'd think you were dead and you couldn't see any of the same stuff. So you would be like, 
All right, we talked about the baseball game that was two months ago. Uh, what's a common thing? Buses? What do you think of buses, man? What's your bus <laughs> should, schedule should, like? Tell me about that shit. Should we address the fact that I completely unintentionally, I just ma- I had Horace, uh, or I had had that le- that letter start with my dearest Horace and yours forever, Clarence. So I just accidentally inadvertently told the story about a of a long distance gay love story between two men who bond forever over their love of buses. Oh, that's nice. Sweet. I really think I might write that book about Clarence and Horace now. I kind of love those two, two men. Two dudes that bond over buses, but they can't get on a bus to meet each other. Oh. Oh. The worst delay was in their hearts. Clarence keeps talking about the uh, the number 45 that goes out at 3 p.m. every day. And, and you know, uh, Horace is just like, that's a vastly inferior bus. I don't understand why you like that bus so much. Uh, it's out of date. And then at the end of it, it's just like, because it's the one that would have taken me to you. And then, Fuck! And then Sufjan Stevens plays over <laughs> as he cries while staring into the camera. And then someone jerks off into a peach. <laughs> Boom! Damn! Damn, that's good! Yeah. T- TM, TM, TM. Copyright Marty and Dan. Copyright Marty and Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marty and Dan Enterprises. A thing we're inventing specifically for this script I wrote. You wrote? <laughs> well, yeah, I did. I gave okay, you yeah, the I, emotional I, 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 hook! I, I get story credit, you get screenplay credit. That's yeah. Fair. yeah. I, the, the ballad of Clarence and Horace is nothing without me. Nothing! I put the heart in that. Is any of this going in the episode? I have no idea. <laughs> this, is, this is the farthest we've ever gone away from an episode, and it's an episode we fucking love. Yeah. So. When, I honestly, the episode is good, so we had to go, like, off on a fucking desert island to find something to make fun of. So Andy notices that the bus is on time, and he nods approving. Yeah, he's just like, check out that fucking bus. <laughs> and O'Malley and- come, gets off and is just like, hey man, I'm back from Detroit, a place I've consistently been for this entire episode. And Andy's like, I thought you were hanging out with Barney and uh, and, and Floyd at the house uh, doing some <laughs> infidelity. <laughs> and, and Charlie's like, no nah, man, I'm not doing that till next week. If that happened, it would have to be because... Pff- I don't know, escape convicts broke into my house? I'm spitballing here. Do you want to go hang out? Yeah, so, so so O'Malley's just like, like he straight up says, he's like, something wrong with you, Andy? I told you at the fucking party that I held, apparently. I walked down the street with a megaphone just letting everyone know, I'm going to be in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, like like my his, my, his Detroit going away party for a week and a half. The gala he threw. The combination to my safe is 379. Could someone go check on it for me? (laughs) That's 379. Oh, God. Uh, O'Malley, you prick. (laughs) You valley fucking sucks. So anyway, uh, he's like, yeah, Andy, I've been in Detroit this entire time. And Andy's like, huh. Well, that's weird. Would you mind if I gave you a ride up to your place? So Andy's cop instincts are great. He's just like, huh, so there might be a dangerous situation. 
Let me bring the civilian <laughs> Come on, O'Malley. Like, let's go. Let's roll, new best friend. And then, and then there's just, it's another one of those famous, like, Andy Griffith shots that just lingers for too long. And Molly's like, yeah, I'll go with you. And then they stay, leave the camera on as Andy gets in the car. And then O'Malley opens up the back seat and he puts his suitcase in and he closes it and he opens up the front seat door and he sits in it and then they drove away. And again, I'm Bob, you can yell cut. Yeah, Bob, you were doing so well. Your lighting on this and your framing has been fantastic. What are you doing? You didn't need to pad. Just have Naomi do crazy bullshit for like five extra seconds. Back, back at the cabin, um, Floyd and Sally come in. Naomi's trying to get Barney to fight with her. Um, Maude gives her the gun that he keeps calling. She keeps calling it the Hita. <laughs> Which is so cool. The Hita. Yeah, and, and, and they try to make her dance. Anyway, uh, they come in. Sally's like, Floyd was a good boy. He didn't tell the co- the sheriff about anything. Sally goes outside for water. So she goes out to a well and gets water from a pump. Uh, out of the well, and this is a cool shot. So you see her in the foreground, and there's just some bushes, uh, in the background, and you see Andy and O'Malley pop their heads out of the bushes. The great thing is Andy's not like like stressed out or serious. Andy's like like smiling. He's having a great time. He's like, oh hell yeah, yeah. So his his best friend and Floyd are in danger. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, now's a good time to pull some pranks. Yeah, let's get whimsical about this. Let's not call for backup. She gets the water. Andy and O'Malley are spying on her. Uh, and then she takes the bucket of water back into the kitchen and lays it down next to the sink, which, by the way, was something very odd for me. I don't think I've ever seen a sink without, like, a faucet, but I guess that makes perfect sense. Um, so, because there's no running water right, there. yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and so while her back is turned, Andy reaches into the kitchen window, grabs the bucket, dumps the water out, and puts the empty bucket back in so that it looks like Sally never remembered to get water at all. As this is happening, um, Sally is uh, asking Barney like what his pre- uh, what his preference is on burgers. And she says, like, well, you know, Al, you always like your burgers medium rare. No, 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 no. Al always likes them burnt. Oh. Al always likes his burgers well done. And then Barney's like, no, I like mine medium rare. I love that Barney's past the point of being like, I'm not Al. I'm not Al. I'm not your fucking husband. He's just kind of like, no, I've accepted that I'm Al, but that's not how I like my burgers. They're in the process of breaking him, and he's just like, you can take away my identity, but do not burn my burger. Okay, so this episode is absolutely going to be called Call Me by Al's Name. (laughs) (laughs) I just watched that movie for the first time. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. It's a pretty good movie. It was way better than I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be like a sappy, uh, like, YA type deal. It was really, it was beautiful. No, no, it's it's pretty good. I feel like it's also one of those movies that will get better upon rewatch. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so Bar- so Barney's just accepting being Al at this point. Sally gets mad. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, no, Naomi gets mad because she's like, god damn it, because you didn't get the water. So she goes back outside to get the water, and when she does, and she goes out for the water, 
Andy comes out of nowhere and handcuffs her. And then fucking O'Malley comes behind her and gags her with a bandana. Yeah, so let's be clear here. Let's, let's, be, let's be fucking clear here. Let's be fucking clear here. Andy is a law enforcement professional. He puts handcuffs on people on a, a fairly regular basis. Okay, O'Malley is just some rich dude who seems way too comfortable just gagging a woman. woman. Basically, garroting a woman with a gag. Just, just instantaneously, like the way that, like, the way that you would, like, shut a door or something, just way too comfortable with it. Just, like, almost muscle memory. He's done that shit before. I was watching it and I was like, wait, so is he just gonna have like O'Malley help him? And then like, when Andy basically does this, he comes and he puts a handcuff on and he's like, sicker O'Malley! And O'Malley's just like, Aah! And just like, why is O'Malley the heavy? By the way, O'Malley doesn't speak for the rest of the episode. O'Malley has no lines. He's just there to gag them. It's just, Every time, like I thought, one of them would be like handcuff gag, and then another one would be like they like I don't know do like something to like stun her and like and, and knock her out, but they just do the same move twice. They just do handcuff O'Malley gags, and the freaky thing is O'Malley's not like Ugh! O'Malley's like having a great time. He's like, woo! This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, dude, we should be I have... gagging people in a cabin more often. This rules. I have many questions about O'Malley and what the fuck he was doing in Detroit. He's just oh, don't nobody to worry about O'Malley. O'Malley's super chill. He's just a very rich guy with a wife that we've never seen, uh, who spends a lot of time away, lives out in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, and apparently just can gag women like it's second nature. <laughs> like... There is. There is no reason for me, a law enforcement professional, to look further into this rich man ever again. As they were, um, like, pulling away... O'Malley hung himself in the Mayberry courthouse, and there is no video evidence. As, like, they're, they're like, wrapping this up and be like, well, that's one done. O'Malley's like, yeah, can I keep one of their hands? And he's like, what? And he's like, what? Get out, get, get out of here, get off my property. Did you guys hear a bird? What the fuck was that? <laughs> hey, Andy, real quick, if I ever die, burn my house down, okay? Don't go inside. All right, get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, Maude's yelling that the hamburgers are burning. They get Sally to go outside to check, and then they fucking do it again. Um, so now it's just Maude, and Maude has the gun. She doesn't know that the other two are missing yet. Uh, and she sends Barney in to fix the, the burgers, which are burning. Um... Meanwhile, Floyd still sitting on that couch eating a banana, having a good old time. Andy pops up in the window, and Barney sees and he yells something, and, and Andy's like, "Get the big one to come outside." It kick off a fucking fantastic physical comedy scene. This scene rules. Oh my god! Now it's just Barney and Maude, and Barney's got to get Maude to come outside. And he's like, "Hey Maude, why don't we go get some water?" Everyone's getting water. Why don't we get some fresh air? Everyone's getting fresh air. And then she puts the record on, and it's like a tango. Right? And then Barney gets an idea, and he stands up, and he goes into, like, like suave debonair Barney mode. And he's uh, like, 
Bart, Bob Let's Sweeney dance. fucking frames and lights, uh, like, uh, lights Don Knotts in this. Like, he's suddenly the sexiest human being alive. Like, he suddenly is is directed, like, he's Humphrey fucking Bogart. And it's such a sharp change that is hilarious. And he, like, stands up and he's like, let's dance. And Maude's like, uh, why do you want to dance with me all of a sudden? He's like, I've taken a liking to you. Uh, and, uh, they start dancing and it kicks off, like, this really prolonged, fantastic physical gag bit of... Yeah, and, and I, I want to, like, give some credit to the woman who played Big Maud. Her name is Rita Shaw, because she's a big woman, but, like, she is, like, using her physicality and pulling off those dan- those tango dance moves pretty well, and it becomes a back and forth between who's leading whom. So, like, Barney will lead her in one direction, and then she'll, like flip the physics on him and they'll lead in the other direction so like this is a woman who is quite literally going toe-to-toe in physical comedy with don knots and their size differential is so funny but they are on equal footing yeah. and it's i love it i love every bit of this and um, the great thing is like so they're they're sashaying around and the gun is in like the one shared hand and so Barney keeps trying to, like, steer them outside, and he just barely gets the gun outside. And every time Andy, like, snatches for it and barely misses, uh, and then it comes back in, and they do that, like, three times. Um, and it eventually culminates in her, like, in getting her all the way out. Also, the entire time this happens, there is a loaded gun waving around the room, and Floyd is 100% unfazed. He is just sitting yes. there, eating a banana not trying to escape, having a fantastic time. Uh, (laughs) It's the best part. He's in the background for this entire scene. The only way I can think to describe it is if, like, imagine a fighting game. Like, imagine that Barney and (laughs) uh, Maude were characters in a fighting game, and he's just, like, one of the NPCs in the background, just da-da-da-da-da-da, just moving up and down and eating a banana. Just for the entire time, just enjoying himself. It's so goddamn good. What? Like, it reminded me of, like, one time, uh, one of the first times I got stoned in college, I ate a Nutella crepe, and for that period of time, that crepe was my entire universe. I became that crepe, and I looked at Floyd and I was like, you're having that moment with that banana, huh, my dude? Dan, do you remember the time that we were completely wasted at my apartment and we made grilled cheese sandwiches, but I didn't have any bread, so we used pancake batter? And had had chocolate chip pancake grilled cheese. Uh, I do remember that. That is arguably when we became friends. Uh, it was it was honestly one of the most beautiful moments of my life. I'm I love that. Uh, you know what I wish I remembered about that moment is how those sandwiches tasted because like I don't remember if they were good <laughs> or bad. Like I remember them being good, but also we were very drunk. Exactly. I was like I was hammered enough to remember everything except eating the pancake grilled cheese like up until that point like it's good and then i eat the grilled cheese and it's static which is a bummer we should try making that again fucking what baking mayberry part two baking mayberry comes back if you the people demand it uh Wait, how the fuck could we do that we're in separate locations i'm in Uh. i'm in a house in new jersey there's also a good bit where uh, Barney gets the door open, 
Uh, and he keeps leading Maud out. So she would stick just her arm out and Andy will like try to catch her basically with the, the handcuff and miss. So they got to dance back and then you got to dance again. And Andy catch, tries to catch her and misses. Uh, and finally Barney like turns forward and like leads her like a bull and just shoves her straight out the door. And then, then Andy manages to catch her with one handcuff. And then Barney is holding on to her as she's trying to run and, like, digs his heels in and, like, drags, like, like Spider-Man stopping the train in Spider-Man 2. <laughs> it's so good. It's great. And, like, he, he uses, like, like uh, Don Knotts is just so in the fucking pocket this episode. Like, I get him, man. Don Knotts is an extremely talented physical comedian. And then, this is my favorite part, is that Maud just kind of stops and I guess just stands there. Like, she's not fully handcuffed. She's only got one handcuff on. And she just stands there while Andy and Barney have a very long conversation. <laughs> well, she's like, oh, Jesus, O'Malley's here. Fuck, <laughs> oh, yeah. I better not step out of line. That guy's crazy. No, O'Malley's not there, though. Where the fuck is he? Don't worry. He's not there anymore. Do not ask where O'Malley is. Do not worry about where O'Malley is. O'Malley is in the tree line. He is circling the perimeter. He is making plans and schemes. Do not look in the woods. Do not ask about O'Malley. You do not want to know where O'Malley is. Fuck! O'Malley is... O'Malley turned into the last act of Apocalypse Now at the drop of a hat. They were just like, hey, O'Malley, someone's on your property. He's like, cool, cool, I'm smearing mud on my face, and I'm macheteing a cow to death and bathing in its blood, and let's go gag some people. This is gonna be fun. If if you tell O'Malley that there's somebody, a stranger, wandering around his property, he's like, hmm... The help wasn't supposed to let the human prey go until Tuesday. <laughs> I was supposed to give them a 24-hour head start. Oh, I'll have to kill them when I get home. I didn't have a most ga- dangerous game schedule for this week, but you know, let's do it. Uh, when life gives you lemons, kill the help. <laughs> when, I don't even have my riding elephant. How am I supposed to hunt man like this? Uh, O'Malley! Animals! <laughs> Don't worry about where my wife is. My rich, rich wife. I did. She's not here and I didn't bring her to Detroit. Where is she? Don't worry about it. O'Malley! I uh, absolutely did not feed her to tigers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay. So the, 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 sting, the stinger of this episode. The stinger is... Probably the funniest stinger we've seen so far. Um, they're back at the jail, uh, probably like a day or two later. And um, Barney is just chuckling to himself. And he's like, hey, Andy, isn't it funny how civilians don't know what to do in a dangerous situation? Like, back there, I was collected and just waiting for my moment. And I was trained and everything. And Floyd... Floyd, oh man, we we skipped the we skipped the last Floyd joke. Oh yeah, Floyd storm Floyd storms out of the cabin and he just kind of yells like, "Well, don't blame me if all of these burgers are ruined." <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like, "You guys ruined my good time. I was meeting, I was making friends. They were women, 
Barney was only I was going to eat a burger? (laughs) I've barely gotten physically abused. It's going pretty well for a weeknight on Floyd's end. And you guys had to come in and arrest people. Maybe they would have executed me. Maybe it would have been Barney. There was only one bullet. I was willing to take those chances, you dicks. So yeah, so Barney is talking about how Floyd didn't know what to do. And he did blah, blah, blah. And Andy just goes, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, he was, you, I guess Floyd was really lucky with you being there and all. And then you hear a thump at the door, because it's the newspaper being delivered. And Barney chuckles and he goes, yep, that's what happened. And he goes and he picks up the newspaper. And it's one of those bits where you can see the joke coming a mile away. Like, you know exactly what the guy's going to be. And it's still, it's still so funny. Like, you're just like, yes, yes, open up that newspaper, open up that newspaper. And he does. And the newspaper in giant letters says, Hero Barber stops escaped convicts. <laughs> and then in smaller letters, Deputy Barney Fife was also kidnapped. Yeah. It's really good. And like, not to deconstruct the bit, but the things that Floyd had to do to make that happen are insane. Because <laughs> he had to go to the newspaper and to the media and basically commit, like, 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 almost like perjury. Like, he lied about the way a crime went down to the media. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a crime, but I feel like it should be. Uh, Uh, My favorite favorite part of this, and good job fucking Andy Griffith Show props department, is that if you look closely, and I did, there are other headlines as well, other, like, smaller stories on the newspaper and they are all impressively boring (laughs) like they are all just like about just like small taxes and like traffic fines and like how to clean up the park uh but they're written like uh i've got them right some right here restricted load ban modified on main roads (laughs) prepaid taxes reach highest mark in history you Um, you know a lesser traffic safety Traffic safety plan outlined by city commissioners. It's just, it's so, like, beautifully boring. A lesser show would have been tempted to do a pun or a joke or a pull-away gag. The Simpsons would have gotten, like, sloppy and put in, like, some fantastic humor there. But the Andy Griffith Show has the discipline to be boring as shit. (laughs) Yes. Like, that takes dedication to not doing writing and uh, despite all the progress they've made i respect that game that they could that they could still say you know we've done a lot of good work here today we we did a lot to be proud of we're still going home at five we are not staying late by a minute there will be no gags in the newspaper today no i i i like that way better honestly i like that it is a realistic in-universe newspaper it's just like here's this amazing thing it, it, it paints this like world where like wild outlandish things happen to andy and andy adjacent people and then everything else off screen is so fucking mundane and dull yeah i love it i love this in-universe newspaper it's such a good bit of world building that's fair um yeah uh yeah so it's a really good closing bit. Um, really just, I think, an all-timer episode. Um, Absolute classic. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's it. So in Opie's Rival. <laughs> yeah, so Opie's so Rival. Opie's... We're marathoning, motherfucker. 
Andy Meter, 10. 10. Easy 10. Lay up 10. Easy 10. Like, this is, this is the Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. This is just an absolute <laughs> blowout. Just 10s, 10s, 10s all around. Yeah. Um, uh, Barney Meter is tough because a lot. Okay, no, actually, not that tough. Lot of the humor uh, in between the things that we said is sexism. Uh, but it, but it's it's never like outright. Mm. No, it's 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 kind of insidious sexism, which we we didn't really might be worse. It's might be worse. It's a lot of the jokes. A lot of the jokes are basically just what if women were like men. Like, it does kick uh, off it's, with it's, a joke about a woman looking like a man. And most of them are just like, yes. she beats her husband. She's capable of violent crimes. But it's not like at any point, like, Andy ever says, like, we put those words in his mouth. But it's not like Andy ever says, ha, women can't be convicts. He just kind of says it and then smile, like, smiles. It's, but Andy smiles about convicts all the time. Yeah, it's, so, it's somewhat inferred. I feel like there is a uh, a treatment of women convicts where it's sort of the butt of a joke. Just that, like, women can be violent criminals. I feel like a, I'm not going too out on a limb there. No, I, I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're being, like, unfair about it. Um, I don't think the episode disrespects these women, though. I think this the episode treats these women with, um, about as much respect as anyone who's not Andy gets on the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I think, yeah, I think there's, like, some low, there's, some, like, some low-key sexism happening, but nothing, like, as, nothing overt and screaming. It's sort of, like, background radiation sexism. So I'm gonna give it like uh, on a five meter like three like it it doesn't uh it it doesn't register for me like and yeah I'd, I'd give it like a like a four we've been low on Barney meters this season so far right that's that I mean we're we're overdue yeah right uh exactly yeah like that's like saying we haven't had any tornadoes yet this season what, or what if the show is evolving what if my great fear has come true because it's been a couple of well written ones so far and they've been getting progressively less horrifying i mean dan we just got 90 minutes out of a good episode so yeah. i'm not worried about us running out of things to talk about that's so. fair um all right cool uh so yeah like three or four i don't know like it's fine there's there's some bullshit so, in there. there is o'malley which is i think the devil why does nobody question how good that man is at gagging women? O'Malley is fucking Judge Holden from Blood Meridian. Like, he is this preternatural source of pure human evil. And then he just disappears. He gags two women and then is never shown on camera again, even though they're at his house. Because O'Malley is a human manifestation of pure evil. He is the darkness that resides within all of us. He appears when, uh, when Andy wills that a woman should be gagged. And when he no longer has that desire, O'Malley is gone. Or he's does Oma does does O'Malley live in the cabin full time? That's that can't be like his his regular house, yeah, right? He's like, he's There's no reason for this rich man with a wife to live in a fucking Unabomber shack again. Where like, is O'Malley's with no rich running wife? water? Where is O'Malley's rich wife? <laughs> where where is this the woman? woman that you very aggressively established exists? 
Where is she, Andy Griffith show? Where did you put her? Where is the wife? Yeah. Tell me the wife. It, it, show me the wife it doesn't is okay. Make, it doesn't make sense, right? So, so like, if she went to Detroit with him, why wouldn't, why didn't she get off the bus with him? And if she did, and if she stayed home, why wasn't she home? Okay. Okay. You know what? Oh, it, wait, wait. It, it, it makes, it makes sense. It makes sense if you figure out that, like. O'Malley owns the cabin, but he doesn't live in the cabin. So O'Malley's wife was at O'Malley's house. No, no, hard to. So I am going to tweet at Ron Howard and demand that they show me a picture of O'Malley's wife holding a picture of holding a copy of today's newspaper. Um, I I think that's that's fair and necessary. I need to see that she's okay. Uh, I'm very freaked out by this entire situation. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> let's do, let's bring that back that's... Tweet at Ron Howard and yeah. demand to know where... Tweet at Ron Howard! Tweet at Ron Howard! We haven't done that bit yeah. in a while. Tweet at Ron Howard and demand to know where O'Malley's wife is. Uh, okay, yeah, let's wrap this the fuck up. We've gone so off the rails. It's, like, been three hours since we started doing this. That's it for this episode. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, everyone. As always, if you want to get at us on the internet, you can talk to us online on Twitter. We are at BreakMayberry. Uh, if you want to send us a very nice email, uh, you can send it, or a not-so-nice email, uh, you can send it to BreakingMayberry at gmail.com uh, and talk to us. Uh, Facebook.com, we are BreakingMayberry. Instagram, BreakingMayberry. On Twitter, I am at SchneidRemarks. That is S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds, two Ds. Our music was done by Max Ludwig, who is online as Sleep Talkie. Our Patreon, if you want to support us with your dollars and get access to all sorts of bonus material, is patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. If you want to support us with not your dollars, you can always give us a rating or a review on the podcatcher of your choice, but preferably Apple Podcasts. Oh, all and right. also special call out for Sleepy Talkie. Uh, he is currently on a regular basis streaming on Twitch uh, as a way of getting through the nightmare that is quarantine. He is fantastic. Uh, last time I went on with him, he watched uh, Spetsnaz propaganda videos and played Glover from the N64. Uh, hop on there. I think I'm going to join him at some point. Yeah, help him, help him, help him get through this nightmare. We all, we all need to work together. Yeah, uh, he is on Twitch.tv/sleeptalky. That's it for us. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, we will see you all down at the fishing hole. Aboo. Bum